Passionate DJ Podcast, where we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. How you doing, Trip Turlington? I'm doing wonderful. And welcome back, Tony DeSero. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You've been gone for a little while, out gallivanting around. Man, more than gallivanting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mo Dingo won't be joining us today because he's playing his Friday night gigs, I think. Foos Friday night lights. Yep. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we were talking the last time you and I got together trip about, I was like, yeah, it's a bummer that Tony and Mo aren't here, but it's kind of cool that they're not here because of reasons that are relevant to the show. Right, right. <laughs> it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, Tony, mm-hmm. what have you been doing? I, I think I'd like to spend a little time and just kind of hear about your adventures that you've been on lately. You've been out kind of working on the road and mm-hmm. doing some stage management and stuff. And, and so, I mean, first of all, just what... Uh, these were festival level gigs, right? Yes. I mean, what were you doing? And then we'll talk about uh, some of the experiences. Yeah, these were all festival gigs, um, stage managing and backline tech manager. Okay. So backline meaning um, what the DJs or the band, the instruments that they play on, um, make sure that we have all of that stuff in line and whatever DJ is playing per writer, I make sure that they're set up is exactly the way that they need it to play. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the the physical components are all there. Everything's wired together properly. Do you mm-hmm. have anything to do with uh, like sound check and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah. The the whole the timeline. I'm there for sound check as soon as um, our artist hospitality brings the tour manager up to the stage, introduces them to me. Um, if there's a DJ, if it's a band with a DJ, a rapper with a DJ, or just a tour manager for one of the DJs, I'll just make sure that everything's set up for the DJ the way that they need it, pretty much. So what kind of levels of crowds are we talking about? What size events are we? Um, let's see. The first one that we did in Grand Rapids, 5,000 on a Friday, four on a Saturday. Oh, okay. So 9,000 on the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, Columbus. 20,000 wow. throughout the weekend. Holy moly. Um, and then we did one in East Lansing at Michigan State University um, that was about roughly 8,000 on Friday and 14,000 on Saturday, so like 22,000 people. Okay, so you've been doing some pretty large-scale events. Though. Yeah, that's, oh yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they're so big stages. Mm-hmm. What What does your day look like? When does your day start for a show that's that size? The day before. Uh, yeah, no. We go in um, Wednesday. If the show is Friday and Saturday, we'll go in Wednesday morning and we'll start. Uh, the stage will get set on Tuesday, which the stage itself is it's a semi-trailer that opens up okay. and really converts into a stage. And then you have your side wings, which is like your truss and all that. So all that gets built Wednesday. Thursday is um, Thursday. We come in every morning starts around eight o'clock. Um, leading up to day of show, Friday and Saturday, obviously. But um, they'll start around 8 o'clock. We'll do the stage, and then you have um, video, lighting, and then audio will come in, and then audio gets hung. And then all the finishing touches, obviously, you know, Friday coming up to the show, the scrims and things like that, which are like uh, big banners that you see that hang on the side Mm -hmm. of the stage that Mm -hmm. covers all of the the trussing and all that stuff. Um, but they start eight o'clock usually every morning day of show, depending on, um, the artist that are coming in to do sound checks. Normally they start around 9am. So we're there at eight o'clock in the morning. Mm. We meet the sound company and the video company there about eight o'clock. So the stage and everything's ready for the tour managers to walk up and see what it is that they're working with. Everybody kind of gets introduced to, monitor world which is the guy that's doing all the monitor world the side fills and all that stuff and then you have your front of house which is um main pa your video wall and your lighting guys okay so were you uh managing a single stage or multiple stages i was managing just one stage okay i managed the main stage but um when we do backline orders and things like that for multiple stages I'm in charge of doing the spreadsheets to make sure that, you know, I look at, through all the writers and I say, okay, we need, you know, five CDJs for the main stage, which is four CDJs and one backup in case and one goes bad. <laughs> yeah, right. And right. Oopsie, right. 
two, two Nexus 900s. Um, you saw the Oliver Heldon, you know, we needed the four denims. So um, no backline company that we worked with had those things. So I had to reach out to the tour manager. He put me in touch with a denim rep, which were there were only two in the U.S. that had that. So that the new uh, prime setup with the, mm-hmm. uh, what is it, SC5000? 5000 and the 1800 something yep, like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, man, can we digress into that for a minute? Sure. So you, you got to unbox a whole crispy new setup, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Because um, I haven't gotten to play with those, and I'm I sure thought it most was, of our audience hasn't. I, I didn't really get to play, per se, with them. I mean, okay. I, I took them out of the box. I plugged them in. I took the sweet, you know screen covers off of everything and, and peeled all that back. <laughs> Smell um, the fresh electronics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I powered them all up. I linked them all together. I put my USB drive in them, um, just to make sure the tracks read. I could put the tracks played things like that. You know, the, the dual layer is just, it's a pretty, really cool function, yeah, you know, right. because you have layer a and layer B which on a single player. On a single player, yeah. So you can realistically be playing two tracks on one on one unit, you know, on two different lines of a mixer. So you have like two two stereo pairs that comes out, one for each layer. Is that yes. correct? Mm-hmm. And so you pl- you can actually physically plug them into different mixer yeah, channels. Yeah, you, you you can do um, you can do layer A out to line one, layer B out to line two. Cool. Mm-hmm. And you can That's switch cool. on your screen. It's the the touch screen is just like an iPad or an iPhone, you know, you scroll, you touch a screen, you scroll, you swipe right if you want to load the song. Oh. A lot of really, really cool functions. Um, but getting into the nuts and bolts of playing with it, I really didn't have the opportunity to do that. But I did sound check them. The sound quality was great off of the mixer. It was... That's nice. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole dual layer functionality, like Pioneer's really missing the boat on that, especially since they just released the Nexus twos. Mm-hmm. Like they've they've had that functionality on uh, some of these controllers, like the the SZ and the RZ and stuff like that. Like you can you can do that, mm-hmm. um, but it still requires the laptop, you know. Right, so right. like you know, for these players, from what I understand on those Denons, like they have built in CPUs and their own RAM and yeah, all of the, that stuff. Like it, so it, it does analyzation like on the fly yeah. and and all of that. Like Pioneer, like uh, knock knock. <laughs> <laughs> Here in six months, we're going to see the Pioneer CDJ 3000 Nexus 3s. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, I, well, I think I feel, they're going to implement that, though. I, the I, I feel that, you know, Pioneer has been industry standard for quite yeah, some time. Absolutely. And I feel that the Nexus 2s are still going to be industry standard for the next couple years yeah. or so. And Denon came out. But I think now that Denon came out and kind of raised the bar with that, that Pioneer is in the works of doing something. Something like maybe enhancing to, the 900s. Yeah. Yeah, because that's yeah. a big, like, just thinking of the the money involved there. Because right. that's, you know that when you buy into a CDJ-type setup that you're going to be paying a premium. Right. But it, it really hurts when you come from, like, a four-channel controller mm-hmm. and software to go, okay, I'm willing to pay... X amount of dollars for a two CDJ setup. Oh wait, if I want to play another deck, I got to add another full right. piece of hardware. Right. Oh, if I want to play four decks, add another. Yeah. It just gets ridiculous. Now right. I forget it. I'll just stick with my controller. Yep. The Denons, you only have to work in the pair. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Yep. You know, you uh, hooked us up with a, a quick video and you sent to the team, and mm-hmm. uh, I actually posted a piece of it on Instagram. But the the one thing that I really noticed just from your, you know kind of open the box and you know swipe your phone in front of it and send it to us was the finish on this yeah oh, man. yeah, yeah the, so the, sharp i had no idea it's sharp and, and the just the um the durability of them the platters feel heavier okay um the crossfader almost feels like a 1200 crossfader really? it's like that oh, wow. sturdy nice um the the crossfader on the mixer is like Man, I can flick it to one side and it'll bounce back to the other side. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's yeah. it's a really really nice crossfader. Um, nice. But I did I didn't really get to get into like the slip rolling and like all the sure. stuff, the functions that it really right. does. So, so when you're doing uh, going back to the sound check, mm-hmm. what do you have like five to ten artists on one stage in one day? <laughs> yeah, but n- not all of them do sound checks. Most of the sound checks. I was um, gonna ask how you fit all that in. Well, we have, it's it's normally the headliners that do the sound checks. Okay. You know, um, I mean, I can, let me 
read off some names that we worked with so people can kind of get an idea. Um, we had Travis Scott, which is huge in the hip hop game. Yeah. R.L. Grime, Zed, um, uh, let's see, Diplo, Galantis, Kodak Black, Little Yachty, Black Bear, Oliver Heldon, um, Blau, Quincy 92, Waka Flocka Flame. I mean, just so some of the biggest Machine names Gun you're Kelly. Gonna, you're going to book at a festival. Um, like yes. Like the most relevant EDM and rap acts right now. And I don't want to say rap like nowhere near your Jay-Z's or mm. your Nas's or anything like that. But like the rap that the younger kids are into, yeah, right. you know. As soon as you said R.L. Grime, though, I was all like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah." He was R.L. Grime was really, really good. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, but as go. far as sound checks, um, you know, we have all this is scheduled out weeks before the festival even even starts, or we're even on property. You know, we have a an overall production manager that does and sets up all the schedules and once the once once all the schedules are set then i'll look at the schedules and we say okay we have such and such coming in for a sound check and normally depending i mean machine gun kelly for example his flight got in at 12 30 and they had to rush straight over machine gun kelly is has a full band and we sound checked and doors were at three o'clock and they sound checked they wanted to push doors till 3 30 and we couldn't do that like the festival owner was like there's no way we can push doors to 3 30 these guys you know and i'm the one that's just sitting there like having to tell these guys you need to get this done and you need to get off stage because we're opening doors and then the tour managers are looking at me like well we're the headlining acts if we don't get our sound check in there's no show and i'm just stuck between like a rock and a hard place you oh, know yeah, what I mean? yeah. it's like uh but I mean, I get it. You know, yeah. they have to have their sound and everything has to be, their files have to be right for them to do their show. Sure. You know, so we all have to kind of meet in the middle yeah. of everything that's going on. You know, it's, it's, it's a real hectic mess, but. So I get that's probably a lot of your job then is, is being that, uh, what do you want to call it? Liaison. Medi- mediator. Yeah. <laughs> the mediator yeah. between the parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's, um, I'm not the most aggressive guy in the world, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't like being an asshole to people. I'm yeah. not, it's, you know, but I kind of have to be somewhat stern. And when I'm going up to, you know, Machine Gun Kelly's man, tour manager or Zed's Listen tour here. manager and like, <laughs> we got to get this done. I'm just like, can we get this done, please? <laughs> you know? Um, but most of the guys that do sound checks are your top two or three. Okay. You know, um, so you don't have to plan out a whole day of sound check. No, beforehand. no. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's the ones with bands too. You know, mm. if they have a, if they have, uh, bands with them, live bands with them, but so did you, did you have, since you were setting up live acts, did you have to set up, you know, drum kits and all that I stuff don't, in the background? No, and, I don't. Well, so everything is, is dependent on the time of the act. Um, there's some acts where if there's only a few regionals before the first act with a band, we'll leave the band's equipment on the stage. Mm-hmm. And then what we'll do is once they're done, we peel back. Okay. So we peel that layer back. Um, some of them want rolling risers. Okay. So the rolling risers are like, you know, eight by eight squares on wheels that mm-hmm. we have to set up in the back of the stage. And once everything is peeled back, everything is planned out to where once that's peeled back and we have to roll an eight by eight out, set another eight by eight out and set, you know, everything is set up day of show the way that it's supposed to be and the way that it's everything okay. is supposed to go. So like you have a drummer and a keyboardist that's on it on a rolling riser. Um, the backline guy that we rent all that equipment from, because if they're if it's a fly-in date, Machine Gun Kelly, for example, is a fly-in date. They don't fly in with any of their equipment whatsoever. Mm. So we look at their rider. The production manager looks at their rider, calls the backline company, and say, "Hey, we need all these keyboards. We need you know all these whatever it is that that band needs to play on the drum set, 
all the way to the specifics, the snares, oh, wow. the toms. So they'll be like, I wow. need a Korg, blah, blah, blah. Yes, and yes. Like, Junos, Korgs, okay. you name it. Yeah. Um, keyboard stands, specific keyboard stands, specific um, um, subs that go under the seats of the, oh, wow. of, the of the drummer, like all kind. Of, yeah. So all that stuff. If you the, ever come across like a spare Korg Triton or Juno. You know, <laughs> all right. Uh, I see them all those. the time. I look at them and I just <laughs> drool like, like uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the backline guys, um, some of the backline companies will come in and just drop off the equipment and it'll be sitting backstage and then the tour manager and their sound tech will come in and set, you know, the drummer stuff up and the keyboardist stuff up the way that it's supposed to be. Some of the keyboardists themselves will come in and set it up. Just depends on how high tier the act is because if the higher the tier act is, the more techs that they have, the more engineers that they have that will, that are on tour with them that will set their stuff up exactly how they want it. So all they have to do is just walk up and either sound check if they need to or play, mm. you know. Okay. But me, I don't know band equipment that much. I know the DJ aspect of everything, so I set up all of the DJ gear. Okay. So, yeah. So I was going to say one thing that, that kind of separates the, those type of festivals from, say, a, a rock concert or mm-hmm. a, even a rock-oriented festival mm-hmm. is that you're your crowd is trained to have an intermission between acts. Mm -hmm. You know, you know that you're going to have to wait 10 or 15 minutes or you're going to shuffle from stage A to stage B and then you're going to go back. And that's not the way that hip hop or No, we do. We do breaks. Do you do breaks? We do have set breaks. Yeah, we have um, all of our festivals. We have a local host and a a local DJ. Sometimes the DJ is the host or it'll be a DJ and a host and they'll just do together. So in between the sets, you have somebody playing music, somebody talking to the crowd. So you don't have that Talking about the sponsors. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, naming all the sponsors, keeping the crowd kind of entertained and hyped. Um, Some of the headliners don't even want those guys playing in between. They want everything to kind of calm down, you know. I gotcha. And the anticipation builds and things like that. And we... I think before Marshmallow, you know, he didn't want anybody before him. Mm-hmm. He just wanted everything to come down. And um, but so I went to uh, Bunbury in Cincinnati, which mm-hmm. is more you know rock oriented, and it was just there were hard breaks in between, like ten or fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and and it was just assumed that that's what was going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, man, it's been a while since I've been to a rock show. It was weird <laughs> right. to just have dead <laughs> yeah. silence in well, between, not, you know. Also, at these shows, not every DJ gets an hour set. Okay. You know, you have, um, we have, let's see, on this stage right here, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, like six or six or so of the guys, the beginning guys, they'll get 30, 40 minute sets with, you know, a five minute break in between. Or some of them, if it's just a CDJ to a CDJ, a DJ to a DJ, then it's pretty much back to back, you know. Um, I can't imagine only having 30 minutes. I know, right? It's like, like a tease. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way the way that the EDM guys play though, you know, they play a verse, a chorus, mm. you know, right. one of the one of the builds and then they're on to the next song. So yeah. they get a lot in in a half an hour, yeah. you know. Um, it's not like us where we do long mixes, right, you know. Right. We'd only get like 3 or 4 songs in yeah, if that's right. the case, <laughs> you know. I've barely gotten my trousers off. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, what, it's got to be stressful, right? I, I know that much, but do you do you enjoy it while you're there? Um, enjoy what? Uh, you the tell show? Me, I guess. Yeah. I do don't you, get to do enjoy you... this show because okay. I don't get me wrong. I, I it's I like seeing it from the side and everything, but I'd love to see from the actual front, okay. like all of like all of <laughs> I the was production. Say, I bet you know everybody's gene size. <laughs> <Get brand>. <laughs> <laughs> I, Just from the I labels, get so envious and jealous of seeing some of these guys shoes right. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> crazy crazy um but it's it's very very stressful a lot of anxiety uh but very rewarding to look out into a crowd and see fourteen thousand people just having a blast and knowing that you were part of the reason yeah. why they're out there having a good time right. you know um it's it's very very stressful, you know, and, and even even to the point where even if I have a, a ten minute set break, um, you know, some of these writers come in with these DJs. Example, I had um, Migos. Okay, 
their DJ and the writer said he wanted a Rain TTM 57 mixer. Or no, I'm sorry, 62. Rain 62. We didn't have that mixer. Uh, we had emailed and said, hey, would a Rain 57 work? And they said, yeah, absolutely, that's fine. No worries. So I had a four CDJ setup. Now, right after Migos is Marshmallow that uses four CDJs and a Nexus 900, okay? So Migos comes up. They only want two CDJs, and then when they walk up on stage, they bring their own mixer with them. So I have to look over at, you know, the monitor world at my buddy Scott, and I have to say, Scott, mute everything. The monitors, we unplug the quarter-inch monitors out the back, the main XLRs out of the back, remove two of the CDJs, set them in the back, two CDJs out, and then he brings his own mixer in. We have to plug all that up. And you have like 12 minutes and you have 14,000 people staring at you. Right. <laughs> you have to be like shitting yourself when you when you grab a cable on live sound in front of like 15,000 people and go, I hope they made this properly. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. I have a lot of faith in you right now, brother. <laughs> yeah. And they had, And if they have issues on their end, you know, with a laptop or the mixer or something isn't right, then the first thing that they do is they turn around and they look right at me, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, why is this sound not coming out? What's going on? So I have to go over and I have to communicate with monitor world, which is, you know, the sound guy that can radio to, or not radio, but pick up the phone and call front of house and communicate with them. So I'm running over here to the side of the stage to talk to this guy, running back to the, to the riser to talk to the door manager and the DJ so we can all figure it out. And it's like, literally I thought all that you look like you dropped a couple of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> all of that happens so fast but it feels like it's 20 minutes long yeah you know and it it, because of the stress it's like man in all like you're on hard curfew times most of the time you know if your end is at 11 your end is at 11 okay you know and if you have an act that comes up to stage late because they're in the green room you know doing their thing for a few minutes and they get up on stage late it's like hey your your set still has to be finished by said time because our other act, you know, and you get to be the happy guy that tells them all that. So after, after we okayed everything through email and they come up and they have a mixer, their own mixer, I'm just (laughs) like, oh (laughs) shit, you know, and and I knew I could get through it. I just knew that I was going to stress about it, you know, so we tore all four CDJs out, the Nexus 900 out, brought two CDJs back, he didn't want the link cable, so I had to unplug the link cable. We had to plug into their to their everything into their mixer, and then we had a like about a twelve minute set break after that for Marshmallow, which was the headlining act, which needed the four CDJs and the Nexus nine hundred linked. Blah 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 blah. You know, so you have to plug in all the the RCAs, the line, the digital line for backup. All five link cables and you don't the get XLRs, sound check at that point. <laughs> right, right, no. Right. No, there is no sound check. But you know, we, we sound checked everything. Everything was in working, but if marshmallows to walk up, you know, and hit play on a CDJ and there's no sound coming out, guess who's getting looked at? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? And that in itself is like very, very stressful. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, when you hit that play button, please, please come through those speakers. Hmm. Something. You know, so yeah, stressful is Jeez. putting it lightly. But it's very rewarding at the end of the night. What's your, what do you like the most about it? Is it get, getting to hobnob with, with these people or is it the you know the, the general experience? Is it the crowd? What do, you, what do you get the most out of it when you're there? Man, the experience um, is, is like no other. It's, like I said, you know, it, it's... I'm not hip to some of these acts. Um, so when I learn about some of these new acts, that's pretty rewarding in itself. You know, I, I really learned about some really cool upcoming guys. Um, that, that, and I don't think I can say anything more than seeing 14,000 people and them having a good time. Yeah, and it's if you were just going through fifteen-hour days, you know, and 
these stages are getting built and everything is getting built and everybody's so stressed and whatever and there's bickering going back and forth but it's it's not like it's not ill will bickering right you know right, what i mean right. it's just we know we have to have this to get done for this to get done for that to get done for that yeah you know we know it has to get done and it's everybody's stressed out but you know when all those kids are out there having a blast it's just like this is amazing this is really cool you know how do you manage all that communication like beforehand because i've seen your email threads they're pretty extensive <laughs> they're, they're super extensive it's like when you're in the heat of it like uh, tony's just gone like he's, he's he's answering 12 emails simultaneously and it's like holy yeah God, well i mean even... it's it starts off i don't get into the email thread until advancing starts which advancing starts from um our artist hospitality um our guy Kenny at the office, he sends out a templated email that has all the questions, you know, and everything that the tour manager needs. It has all of our contacts and everybody that's in the email is the owners from the owner of the festival to the production manager of the festival to me, the stage manager, um, their, their tour manager their light tech if they have one their sound engineer if they have one with them you know and everybody in those emails regardless if it's a question for us or not we're still involved in that email mm. so we have to read through it just in case there's a question in there for us so i mean you know one headliner can have you know 40 or 50 correspondences and you just have to go through them and you have to read them because there could be one in there that says something about a certain mixer or hey we have to have this or we have to have that and it's concerning me you and know. that's a little different than when you're you're throwing more local level shows because when you're like say you guys are throwing a show as three-dimensional mm -hmm. and you guys are at kind of the top of that pyramid mm -hmm. and you're 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 the ones doing the delegating and and stuff and then if somebody needs something or there's a miscommunication or something you'll just grab the phone and call that person, but you mm -hmm. can't necessarily call Migos or his tour manager at any time <laughs> of night. I mean, no, I can't. Um, most of the correspondence comes through email. Um, but if I was to get an email and say, Hey, can we get on a phone conversation? It will happen. But the timing mm. of that happening is up in the air because yeah. they're, I mean, you know, they got a gazillion things going on. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for, you know, time zones and, if they're on an, just anything, it's, it's not easy to get on the phone with any of those guys. Mm -hmm. But if you ask more than likely they will, it's just when, you know, well, speaking but, of getting on the phone, um, if you guys don't mind uh, taking a brief break, I want to ask you uh, some more about some, some of your experiences that you had while you were out, uh, on tour, as we absolutely. Say. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we do have a voicemail from Dubmaster Blue Bear. He's, uh, called in before and he's actually, one of the members of our ambassadors team, oh. which uh, we are finally getting ready to launch that. And it's unfortunately Mo's not here to talk about that, but uh, we've got all our ambassadors in our little Slack group and talking and, and ready to, to have some fun. That's our, uh, for those who aren't aware, a small group of uh, people that have volunteered to uh, kind of help spread the word about Passionate DJ, um, help us generate content and uh, give us feedback on things and stuff like that. Uh, kind of a, I don't know, digital street team kind of thing. And uh, we're getting ready to launch that. So I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to all our ambassadors. What, what? Uh, hey. And uh, this one comes from Dubmaster Blue Bear. Check it out. Hello, gentlemen. This is uh, Dubmaster Blue Bear calling in from the Great White North. Hope uh, everything is going well with you guys. I am, I am still enjoying the show quite a bit. Uh, episode 100 was a blast, and I've been really enjoying your, uh, your inter interviews that you uh, recently did as well. Uh, my question is uh, for you guys. I recently uh, came across this article talking about this app. Um, the article was on djtechtools.com, and the app in question is called Spinfire. It's an app where producers can um, pay DJs between $20 to $500 to uh, play their tracks uh, at a club or at some sort of venue somewhere and uh, the DJ in return uh, sends them a video as proof that they played uh, the track. 
Uh, the comments are pretty interesting uh, <laughs> below the article, as you might imagine. Uh, talk about artistic integrity and capitalism, but also some uh, comments about this uh, being good, um, you know, maybe good marketing, uh, good uh, advertising for producers who are trying to get their tracks out there. So uh, I was wondering what you guys thought about that, uh, about that app. And also, uh, as a follow-up question, uh, what would be the best way to approach a DJ at a club, in person, or online in order to get him to play your songs? If, of course, your, your sound matches. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Okay, so I pulled up this article that he's talking about. It says, Spinfire's model is simple. Offer a platform for a DJ to earn money by playing tracks. Artists pay to have tracks played. DJ plays the tracks at some point in their set and send video proof to the artist. DJs charge anywhere from twenty dollars to $500 for plays. The DJs set a fair price depending on popularity, blah, blah, blah. Um, after signing up, DJs can start posting events and artists can start browsing the listings. And then Spinfire takes out a small platform usage fee for mm. that service. Hmm. Artists from all over the world can take... Uh, can request DJs to play their songs. If an artist is dropping a new single in a foreign market, the artist can browse events in that area. Once a DJ receives a request, DJs must play that track within the time of their event. They have 12 hours after the, admit, after the event to submit video proof through the app in order to receive payment. Uh, so they, they're talking about potentially building a great DJ artist community. Um, and kind of in that same vein, I actually happened to cross another article on digitalmusicnews.com. It was titled, Got $5,000? I'll give you 500,000 Spotify plays. Remember when we talked about this not too long ago, about mm-hmm. these fake Spotify accounts? Right. Uh, so, yeah, there was a uh, the Kiev, Kiev Post. It's Ukrainian. I don't know how to pronounce it. But uh, it was their English language newspaper. I think we brought this up, mm-hmm. um, talking about how to... Uh, buy, see, it says you could buy Spotify followers to boost your secret of success to add more fans and followers to your list. So for $25, you can purchase 500 plus Spotify followers that will be delivered in a day. With a $45 purchase, you can score 1,000 followers delivered in two days, um, 100,000 Spotify followers delivered in five days for 2300 bucks. They have, a, they have it broken down in this whole price scheme. Mm. And then they also offer a separate service that makes your followers look real. For a slightly higher price, the website offers real, quote-unquote, real active country gender age group targeted Spotify playlist followers. So just gaming the system all the way down to those individual metrics. What do you guys make of all this pay-to-play stuff? Uh, This problem's not going away. Um the the Spotify thing is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> well. I, I mean, that goes back to you know the the SoundCloud thing. Like, and and the the crazy part about that is unless you just have that kind of money to blow, like, you know, I never understood like when you go to somebody's page and they've got four and a half million plays on one track and then every other track has like a hundred or two. Mm-hmm. You know, like very clearly you did something there. Like, right. Um, I, I, you know, I, so there's two sides to that coin, right? Like on one side, you've got, okay, you're not really as popular as you're trying to make yourself look. But on the other side of that, you know, when people see that you've got all of that, then they assume that you are popular. And the idea is that, you know, social proof. Right, right. So, you know, it, 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 it's like a primer, you know, to, uh, to, to, uh, get more followers to, um, to, uh, to get more followers, but uh, something about it just feels dirty to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, to me and to most artists and musicians and DJs that I know and that I've talked with, like, you know, and even promoters, like most of the people I know in my circles would, would rather either see or help or, or, uh, book authenticity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give that, you know, producer who's only got 200 followers on SoundCloud a chance, you know, or, uh, book the DJ that, you know, doesn't have a hundred thousand followers or whatever it is. You know, it's just, uh, some people are, are looking past those likes and followers and all of that type of stuff because 
they know that there's people out there gaining it, you know, gaming the system. So I, in a, in a sense, I can, I can look at it from a marketing aspect, I guess, and say, you know, you're going to spend that money to get your track out there some way, somehow, whether it be there anywhere, you know, um, whether you get a sponsored ad and you put your own video up, you're still going to play it. So, I mean, in a sense, I can see it. And it's also the way that everybody comes across music. There's so many platforms now. Right. Yeah. You know, so there may be artists or musicians that I come across just by listening to Spotify or by working one of these festivals that I'd never heard of before. Um, so it, it's, you just don't hear music on radio, You're you know, right. which we had that one way to listen to music, radio or MTV back in the day. Now there's, there's so much new music every day right. and it all just gets lost in the shuffle. And, and right now I think it, uh, the, the conversation is just limited to the purchasing of followers and, and plays and likes. So like, yeah, right. I want to come back to that, uh, that, um, what's, what is the, the spin, the spin, spin fire, spin fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, I think that's, those are two mutually exclusive ideas. Like you can, it, like there's some overlap there, but I, I feel like I have a different opinion of the spin fire thing versus I'm just going to buy likes and followers. Right. I, yeah. I think that's fair because, um, mm-hmm. I don't think I have a problem with paying, to get, I don't have a problem with paid advertising. Right. Right. Um, but paying to artificially inflate metrics is something else. Right. That's just dishonesty. Right. Yeah. And that's cooking the books. Yeah. (laughs) I I feel that a hundred percent. Yeah. So coming back to the spin fire thing, like I, I can see where that can also become a pretty controversial topic too, because like literally we have laws against payola, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, there's, but I mean, there, those laws exist in a different manner, you know, for, for different areas of the industry, but for, (sighs) well, the internet's the wild west anyway. But payola sure. is mostly radio, correct? Right, right for right. sure. Well, yes, yeah, one thing that Mo said in the Slack channel, he was like, uh, "Isn't that basically how radio used to work?" You right, know? right. Yeah. And and you know, so for for me as a DJ, like I guess one of my my first question about Spinfire is, do I as the DJ, if a if a producer comes to me and says, "Hey, I've got this awesome track, will you play it?" You know, and I'll pay you, you know, a hundred bucks. Well, do I get to hear the track first? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, can I make the determination of whether I want to play that or not? And I think as a DJ, you'd have to believe in the track itself first, right? Right, right. Unless you're right. just somebody that just wants the money and said, yeah, cool, give me a hundred bucks, I'll throw your track on. Right, right. Like that. I almost could see myself doing it as the producer, but not as the DJ. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like the right. problem that I have is with the <laughs> DJ being willing to to sell their soul to do that. <laughs> sure. Well, it, well, I mean, it, I think it depends. Like, it, like I said, if I, if I have the ability to listen to the track first and if I know that if I like the track and if I know that it fits my sound and I can, and, and it's something that I can work with, well then, yeah, I'll, I'll take your money to play something that I would probably pay the two ninety nine on Beatport for it. Right. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, Oh, you going to turn the tables there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, why but not? when you hear it after hearing, I'll give you 50 or $200 to play this, it's going to sound better. <laughs> Touche. You know Touché. what I mean? You know, I, I see, um, I follow a couple guys on Facebook. They're OC and Verde, and their production is great. They're great producers. Yeah. Um, and I've been seeing them post videos of, hey, here's, here's a video of Adam Bayer playing our tracks. But I, you know, their tracks are good, and I'm pretty sure they had a couple releases on drum code. Okay. So I don't want to say that's Spinfire. You know what I mean? Right, I don't want to believe right. that that's Spinfire, but I can, you know, I can see where when they do that, it's like, oh shit, Adam Bayer's playing their tracks, must be good stuff. Let's check these guys right, out. Right. I can see how the concept w- would work. Right. Yeah, but then again, I don't think Adam Bayer is going to play a song that's not suitable for him. Right. Well, his you know brand's I mean? too important. Yeah, that oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. That was just an example, though, that I saw online. But yeah. somebody like Adam Bear or whoever, that's going to be different than people who would play like pop music or whatever. Mm, but then right. again, pop music isn't going to come 
sourced that way, probably. Because, like, uh, not all DJs are doing the artist thing, right? Like right. Some right. DJs are playing music. And, yep. Right. I, I don't know. Uh, for for me, I just, uh, I don't know. Like, uh you know, part of it is, is, you know, the artistic integrity. So, you know, how much of like myself as a DJ, like, I don't know that I would just go out there and pick every song that somebody offered me $200 to play out, you know, because me personally, I don't, I don't play out that often, you know? So when I do get a chance to play, I want to make the most of that, you know? So for me, like, yeah, I could make a thousand dollars by taking five crap tracks, <laughs> you know, you know, not to say everything on there is crap, but like, you know, if it's just five tracks that have nothing to do with my sound, but it was like the five highest paying tracks that somebody was offering me. Well, you know, sure. I could make a thousand dollars at that gig plus, you know, whatever else, yeah. you know, that, you know, from my booking fee and, you know, walk away with a, you know, nice little chunk of change. But is it going to help me get my next gig? You know, I always have, especially when you play as not often as I do, like (laughs) you kind of have to think those few steps, those few steps ahead, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, uh, for me, that's why one of the reasons I love playing three dimensional shows, because whenever I play a three dimensional show, I get that three dimensional bump, you know? Mm. (laughs) So like (laughs) I, 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 you know, if I rock out a 3dm show, then I usually get booked a few times after that, you know, <laughs> but, um, but if I was dropping just anything, you know, that, you know, wasn't of the same caliber as anything that I buy, you know, or source, however, you know, from whoever, you know, promo tracks and, uh, and stuff like that. I just, I, I don't, I don't think I could pull myself to do it. And I think anybody who is quality minded about their, their artistic integrity. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think most people would do that. You're always going to have that. You're going to have it. Yeah. Right. Like, but I only see this working though at specific events or specific shows. So it's got to be something on a higher scale event. Sure. Oh, well, I think that's is the that reason what, for that, the for the the, 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 vari- the variation the of the prices. Yeah, because yeah. not only are you uh, do you have like variation of uh, crowd size and city size and all of that type of thing, but then caliber of DJ too. Right. You know, you've got you know probably I, I would have ventured to guess that there are some you know larger named you know regionals or even national uh, acts that would go on there and. If I can make an extra 500 bucks, you know, <laughs> why not throw the one track in there? You know, okay, cool. You know, so but, it sounds like none of us are really taking any kind of hard lines here, like no. reservations. I can see it from a marketing aspect. It's uncomfortable. But can I see it from a producer side that just put out a shitty track and is paying somebody a couple hundred dollars to play it just so we can get a quick video of it in, in hopes? I don't. I I don't believe in that side of it now. Yeah, me as a producer, I, like I think that's I think that, like me being able to play both sides of the coin, like I I'm siding on the DJ side, but me as a producer, I would never pay <laughs> mm. to do that. Um mostly because if you've set up your network correctly as a producer, um, especially if you're a producer DJ or a DJ producer and you've got, you know, the, the right avenues, you've got people that you can reach out to and say, Hey, I've got a new track. I think it'll fit this person's sound. You either represent that person or, you know, people who represent that person and try to work your network mm-hmm. to get those tracks into those people or those agents hands. And, um, I think that was the follow up question, uh, from the voicemail, like, that's the key to it. it. I mean, sure, this might be a shortcut to getting, you know, some, like you said, some marketing or some video proof of, hey, my track is getting played. But, um, you know, there's there's other ways of doing it. There's the more traditional ways of doing it. And that's like being a great producer and getting your track picked up. <laughs> <laughs> there's that, um, you know, there's tons of like blog sites and um, and podcast sites and stuff like that, where, you know, people are, um, 
uh, people will pick up on 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 your music and and then you can take advantage of those types of avenues to to put things in into dj's hands it, it just it it requires more work <laughs> uh well i would be curious to know what some of our listeners think about this uh, yeah. maybe if anybody wants to send in some voicemail and let us know whether or not you would participate in this either as the dj or the producer you know how, where do you guys land on this let us know go to passionatedj.com and uh click leave a voicemail and let us know what you think be curious to hear some other perspectives on this so tony do you want to talk about artistic integrity <laughs> <laughs> there we go oh. uh, i'm curious as to you know spending as much time as you have mm-hmm. on the road and on these stages you've got to see a lot of really cool things, a lot of really inspiring things, but it can't all be that. Right. So maybe what are some of the things that you've seen that have disappointed you or upset you or surprised you in a negative way, anything like that? Are the rumors true? What we hear about what big DJs do (laughs) without getting into specifics. I want you to implicate the innocent or guilty. Have you found other CD players under <laughs> CD players. Is everybody just playing off their iPod in their pocket? Right. What's going on? Everybody's just hitting play. Um, I've seen some things that that's disappointed me. Yes, and and coming from a DJ that's been playing for twenty five years and and loves the fundamentals of DJing and you know the mixing aspect of DJing and I, I've it's really hard for me to see and and I get it because it's it's what the kids want to see the kids want to show and that's what DJing has turned into you know in their eyes is is a show it's a spectacle Um, you know you have an LED wall you have something that shoots streamers and confetti cannons and just you know million dollar light packages and all that stuff yeah no it's it's amazing i wish we had that shit back in the 90s yeah (laughs) Yeah, all the rave parties like can you imagine a confetti cannon at a freaking rave party like that would have been the greatest thing ever. we didn't have co2 cannons um but to see some djs and I'm not even talking just about the festivals and the things that, that I was at because I've seen it, you know, in other venues and in, you know, other areas. But to see people behind the decks and them not really be behind the decks, them being in front of the whole riser dancing around mm-hmm. or with their camcorder out or their phones and things like that and just, you know, out jumping on the tables and things like that. You know, Richie Houghton said it best. You know, if your hands are in the air, if you're jumping around, who in the hell's DJing? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it, it's, it's, when I, when I learned how to mix and, and the things that I learned back in the day, and when we learned on 1200s, I mean, you had to constantly sit there and, 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 right. and pitch it. Fiddle with it. Yeah. yeah you know, and, and, and that's, once you get it and then you throw your mix, you're still fiddling with it, you know, as to where, you know, 80% of mixes that I see is a high pass filter out and a, and a slam or a, a seg, you know, like a segue, like a, re- a regular radio segue, turn one station down, turn or one line down, the other one up. Um, you know, seeing some of these DJs that are just jumping up and down on the table and, like I said, for. huh? So that's what the yoga mats are for. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's 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 kind of it's kind of disheartening, you know. It's there's not, but I don't want to say there's. Man, how can I say this? <laughs> Very um, carefully. <laughs> these a lot of these guys are producers right. first, DJs second. Well, if you if just a few minutes ago, I said producer DJs and DJ producers because there is a difference. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe nuanced difference, but there is a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, I've I, I've seen a lot, and it's you know something that I've I'd even said in a previous ep- episode that the 
the thousands of kids that are out front watching what's going on, they really don't know what's going on behind those tables. They don't. Right. You know, they, they know that they, they heard such and such as remix of the top 40 EDM track or, you know, um, the song, I don't even know how many times I heard the song Goosebumps. I don't know if you guys know that song or not. Mm-hmm. It's, anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't sound like anything I want to hear Yeah, now, You know, it, it's a lot of the guys playing some of the same tracks, um, some of their own remixes of it, um, but I hear those tracks out at like I don't know how many times throughout the day, you know, in one festival. And and part of that is, I mean, that's that's the way things have gone because I can remember, like you know, not to be the old guy, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, but um, you know, back in my day, yeah. Um, but that's that's the big difference is that at some point, um, people wanted the more rock band experience out of their DJ. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's boring for people to sit there and look at a DJ that's like just sitting there looking down and doing work. Well, not just that, but like even the track selection, mm-hmm. like people want that predictable. I know when I go see this DJ who plays this genre that play, you know, that's of whatever caliber, I know that they're going to play this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's expected of them. So, you know, when people bitch about like pre-programmed sets or, you know, even pre-planned sets and stuff like that, well, I mean, what do you expect? I'm, you're giving the crowd what, what they, they want, want. Yeah, it's versus the- 20 years ago when, when you went to a party and saw 10 DJs in a night, you might know that you're going to hear you know, a couple of the tracks that are popular at that time. And you might even hear a couple of them a couple of times through the night, but the vast majority of your night, you're not going to know what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. The purpose was to make you move. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, to me, it's no different than a top 40 club DJ. Right. You know, it's, it's playing the hits and that's, that's what they're doing. And it's, it's, you know, who can, jump the highest off of the DJ riser and do the coolest jump in the air or you know what I mean Think it's man I just I don't want to bash on these guys well, sure. or any of these DJs because that's what the kids want they're giving the kids what they want you know it's more of a spectacle yeah you know it's more of a show than right. actually getting into the nuts and bolts of mixing and well that's what I was kind of getting at is that like you know th- for all of the criticism that all of these headliners and and people of that caliber get mm-hmm. like don't get me wrong like I would like to think that anybody who, you know, gets their upcomings out, you know, from, you know, whatever, and then finally makes it to that level, you know, that you're going to maintain some level of artistic integrity and you're going to, you know, bring, you know, something different to every show. But the, 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 the fact is, is that for the majority of those guys, if they spend the majority of their time on the road, they don't have time to do all of that. Right. And if something is expected of them, you know, then you know they're going to do whatever it's going to take for them to keep surviving in that scene and in and in, in on the road, um, which is not uh, ten. <laughs> it's like doing ten times as much work for ten percent of the return if you do it otherwise. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you know. So I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, if uh, you know, insert large DJ name here. I'm not going to pick on anybody, but. Um, sure, I'll, I'll pick one. You know, like your Steve Aoki. <laughs> like, you know you're going to get hit in the face with a cake and you know you're going to hear, you know, at least, you know, however many of his top remixes, edits, and, you know, whoever mm-hmm. is releasing things through his label at whatever given point in time. But, you know, that's what you expect. I mean, that's that's what you're going there for, you know, versus... You know, the people who, who do still like the underground or that experience of experiencing new, new music mm-hmm. for the sake of experiencing new music I right? had is, to, is a totally um, different thing. There was a guy that I work with that was up on the stage with me, and one of the DJs was playing, and the mix itself was just, it was awful. It was what we call two shoes and a dryer, you know, a train wreck. And 
he was up there and he's like, man, this is awesome. This is awesome. And I had to point out to him, I said, this is not awesome. <laughs> he's like, well, what do you mean? And, you know, I, I said, listen, listen to how conflicting these, these beats are, you know? And I said, now pay attention to what he's doing. And as he brought the one song down and the other one up, he realized that that other beat that was conflicting is gone. And he stood up there with me and I said, I want you to watch this next one. Okay. So when he brings the other one up and they start together, it's just clutter. And he's just like, his eyes got three feet wide. Like, wow, it really makes sense to me now. And you know, is, I, I know you're not saying any names, but this is somebody who is playing like a, a big festival. So yes. This is someone we've heard of probably. Yes, or, absolutely. So and this it, is it, happening at, at scale. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, that goes to my point back or back to my point where the thousands of kids that are out front that are saying, oh, such and such killed it. His set was off the hook and blah, this and blah, that. Well, little do you know, his set was not off the hook. You know, right. it, it was offbeat is <laughs> right. what it was, you know, but they don't know what's really, really good and what's really, really not. Because there, there is, there's a lot of ways to get onto that mixer and to high pass and low pass and to, you know, manipulate the sounds. Sure. So it's, you don't really have to mix, you know, a, a breakdown can come and you can high pass it all the way out in the next breakdown of the next song that you have you can hit play and doosh. slam it in on the one right next thing you know it's <laughs> yep. you know and that song is on the one and it's taken off and it's doing its build and next thing you know you, you know it, it's so i don't want to take away fully from it because there's still planning to it you still have to know hey this song is about to break down and yeah. i know that this song so it, it's different than you know overlaying a two-minute mix sure you know sure. it's 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 quick mixing and things like that but you know i think we we djs get caught up in this because we are coming at this from the perspective of we're doing this because we love it and we love the music and mm -hmm. we love you know we're trying to do some something artsy and expressive with it or whatever mm -hmm. and but if you look at it from the perspective of the festival goer they're not necessarily there for that. They're there for the party. Yeah. Right. And right. so if they said, what are you doing this weekend? Hey, we're going to go get together with 10,000 people and we're all going to dance and have fun. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, sounds awesome. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, by the way, there's going to be pyrotechnics and LED wall and, and all this <laughs> right. stuff. Oh, cool. Right. Oh, and then there's going to be a guy standing up on stage uh, starting and stopping the tracks. Ew, gross. I'm not going, you know what I mean? Like if you think of it from that perspective, it's like, what are we so worried about? Well, it's because I think it's because we're DJs and we care about the art right. that it gets our hackles up. Yeah. Right? Well, that, and you know, we've said before and Tony just mentioned it, that, you know, those people out there, the vast majority of them have no idea the difference between what good DJing is and bad DJing. So when when you've got somebody up there who is a bad DJ, but let's say they've got a rapper or some kind of a front man or some something else to distract everybody, mm -hmm. then, you know, song A is good, song B is good. So the 30 seconds or 20 seconds in between song A and B, if I'm drunk and there's pyrotechnics and girls and a rapper and all this other like stuff going on everywhere. I'm probably not going to notice that because that's not in my vocabulary. Like I don't, I don't get DJing. All I know is this is awesome. Yeah, you yeah. know? So, um, and really there's not anything inherently wrong with that. Right. No. I'm not yeah. saying there is. And, and that's the difference that, you know, we, the DJ community just need to, understand you know i think even craze kind of alluded to that like yeah that's just what they do like you know you don't <laughs> like you, you can't hate a snake for being a snake it's just a snake is <laughs> what it does you, know, you don't hate a pig for being a pig you just eat bacon right like <laughs> uh -huh. so you know for those for those guys who are catering to that crowd you know let bygones be bygones let them do what they do and you do what you do and have have faith in your integrity, but you know, it's, it's okay to jab a stick and poke at them a little bit and, you know, or whatever, but ultimately it's not going to change. Yeah. I don't, if anything, away, I think it's going to get worse. I don't want to take away from their hustle. Right, that, right, right. I mean, you know, right. It's what it is. Right. Yeah. You know. Now that being said, as a DJ, 
what's like what's like the most egregious thing you've seen i mean are people like really up there miming and faking it and and not doing anything up there or yeah i've seen it a couple of times just a couple few times 100 yeah. percent faking it or pre-recorded and mm-hmm. that kind of thing that, yeah i i i've seen that yeah so we hear people talk about it and we've all seen like yeah. a couple of youtube clips and stuff mm-hmm. but so you, you've seen it there i mean there's that in person so i mean you happening. can even yeah you can even be out in the crowd even taking away the dj aspect and let's go with the rapper that right. does a track show so a rapper will come out with you know said song that's playing and he's just rapping over it you know what i mean like yeah. it's not an instrumental right right it's him rapping over the track with his voice already on it so he can skip as many lines as he wants and doesn't really stop yeah there, there's one guy that i saw where his dj probably said more stuff than he did <laughs> Yeah, wow. you know, and it, it's it's the songs going on, and and you know, hey ho, hey ho, and then there's still a verse going on. So, <laughs> who's singing the song? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's I've seen it, but it's anytime I come across any type of new music, I will go on YouTube and I will type that artist's name in, and I don't and even want to say DJ, and I'll look up a live show yeah. to see what they sound like live. You know, we had a couple acts that I got hip to um, that I was telling you guys about prior to us recording the show, which is uh, Quinn 92. Mm. Amazing. Um, it's uh, Quinn XCII. It's like the Roman numeral 92. Um, he's pop, rap, uh, reggae infused, all infused. He has a, a drummer and a keyboardist with him. Very, very good. Um, super duper Kyle. These guys. <laughs> You have to look them up because they, in all the articles that I read about them as well, before I even read articles or knew who they were, I was like, man, these guys remind me of Kid and Play. I mean, they do the whole <laughs> dance, the whole get up. They're really, really, really good. Huh. Um, Black Bear, he wrote uh, a few songs for Justin Bieber, the boyfriend song for okay. Justin Bieber. Okay. Very, very good. Um, but again, these guys were all live acts. Yeah. You know, like they had instruments out there. They were they were doing the do um is there anybody that uh that maybe surprised you as a dj like in a good way because i know that's not your you know your typical um, scene the stuff that you were working on but was there anybody like wow i'm surprised or i'm impressed by their skill i mean i I, i'd already known how good diplo was um but diplo was very very good okay um marshmallow was good um what what impressed you about them? Was it their stage presence and stuff, or was it actual mixing skill or mixing skill, stage presence, like all the above? Um, Diplo went all the way across the gamut. I mean, he went from like seventy beats per minute to one hundred and eighty, back down to seventy, you know, and worked okay. his way through. Because you know how trap, like all of that sound now yeah. is is sometimes it's halftime, yeah, and right. then halfway through the song it's double time. Right. Hi hats go crazy for yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but I sat and watched both of them, and they were they were both on point. Okay, you know, and, and that music you can't really overlay very long because there's yeah. so much going on. Like I said, it's like a a top forty. It's a it's a phrase, and you're out. Yeah, maybe two phrases at, at most. But they were and, doing and something. Out. Out yeah, there. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't want to say like not like even some of the guys that I watched that I felt weren't doing anything, they were still, you know, tweaking the, the flanger. <laughs> that was the extent, <laughs> nice. but they were tweaking the flanger. Yeah. You know, they must've taken the trip Turlington fundamental DJing class. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, welcome. Are you back for good now? Or are you going back um, on the road? I am, I am back until the beginning of October. We have four Tiesto shows. And then oh, I wow. go to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for, we have Zed again. It's uh, Zed and Little Dicky and uh, a few others. We have Haunted Fest at the end of October, which is okay. uh, Hardwell here. And we have uh, Above and Beyond in Pittsburgh the same night. Oh, nice. And Indianapolis, Yellow Claw and a few others in Indianapolis and then Kalamazoo, Michigan. 
Well, thanks for uh, so. dropping by for a moment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. and uh, catching up with us and, and telling us your experience, man. We uh, we appreciate hearing all this stuff because, you know, we just we watch from the sidelines and get the uh, the occasional Instagram post and the text and hear a little bit of the stories but you're you're busy and moving constantly so yes, it's nice I am. To, to catch yes, up I am. And, and i don't want any of our listeners to think that um like downplaying any of the the edm stuff or even the stuff that i deal with because that's far props. that's far from the case man because these guys are still like i said man they're still putting on a show right any way you look at it you know i as a dj cannot i i can't get in front of an led wall and jump around or do any of that stuff i mean i can i'm physically able to do that <laughs> but i just that's not me you know yeah. i'm not an extrovert like that so i mean these guys got to have some serious balls to get out in front of those people and, and do stuff like that yeah and, you know, you know I think and the, i commend them for it for sure yeah i think the the one thing to just keep in mind is is the one point that we've hammered home quite a few times on this show which is Regardless of what's happening on these big stages and on big screens and with big screens behind big stages and all this <laughs> stuff, um, it doesn't take away from what we do. It doesn't take mm-hmm. away from our artistry. And there's always going to be your passionate DJs and your other groups who are trying to preserve the art and trying to share what we know and, and share the love. And I think that uh, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, neither what, are we. It's whichever avenue you want to take. You know, it, it's... You want to be an underground DJ and mix four-minute songs together and overlay them, you can. If you just want to segue a song, it's up to you, man. It's it's your hustle. It's your passion, however you want to take it. And you take that avenue, you know? I'm not going to hate you for it. Absolutely. I might. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a grumpy asshole, man. Anyway. Get off my lawn! <laughs> so on that note, this has been the Passion DJ Podcast. Take care, guys. See you. Easy. Are you back for good now, or are you going back um, on the road? I am, I am back until the beginning of October. We have four Tiesto shows, and then oh, I wow. go to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for, we have Zed again. It's uh, Zed and Little Dicky and uh, a few others. And you know, I got to throw the joke in there, right? <laughs> like, it, it's set up. By all means. You'll be gone till November. You'll be gone till November. <laughs> <laughs>